The following is a recording from ACF Church in Eagle River, Alaska. If you would like to join us on a Sunday morning, we would love to have you be our guest. Service times are 9 and 11 a.m. We hope you'd consider partnering in the work God is doing here by joining a life group, serving, and giving. If you would like to give financially to the mission of ACF Church, you can safely give by texting a donation amount to 907-341-4213. Now prepare your hearts to hear God's word. Hey, good morning, ACF Church. How are you today? My name is Brian, and I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm just excited to see you guys. Thank you, First Service, for coming to First Service. Uh, we keep trying to push people this direction because Second Service is just running out of room. And so uh, if you can drag your friends from Second Service, we'd really appreciate that. Um, and, and bring some friends to this service. We're talking about um, what's going to be next for ACF Church at some point. We're going to have to pop another third service again. We don't know where that's going to happen. Uh, we may be polling you to find out what might be the best time for that. But uh, anyway, just kind of praying about what's next. But thank you for coming to First Service because we uh, definitely need the room in Second. And hey, you get more time to do other things in the day. And so uh, thanks for being here. We are in a series called The Code. And we've just been spending some time talking about God's vision for his church. And then we have kind of boiled down what it looks like to love God and to love each other into these 12 weeks uh, of vision of this is how we want to live. And, and the whole idea behind it is that we all have sort of a code that we live by. We have a, a way that we make decisions, a way that we choose what's right or wrong or good or bad for our families, for ourselves. And so we want to go to God's word and we want to let it be our guide and, and let that be the way that we determine what is good in life. How do we move forward as people and enjoy every drop of, of this life that we can enjoy? And so that is where we've been. We, we start off the first week and just said it's not about us. It's all about Jesus. And we're here to make him famous. The second week was the first and the best that every moment right down to, you know, sweeping the the driveway and, and changing diapers every moment is full of divine potential which doesn't sound like it but every moment is full of divine potential god wants to use every moment for his kingdom and that we want to just soak up every bit uh, of opportunity in that the third week was we kneel before we fight we want to be a people of submission to god and, and we want to be kneeling before him as we go out into this world into all the battles that we have and then we had we had an outbreak of honor and we honored some of our volunteers. We talked about how God wants us to be people of honor towards each other, towards our spouses, our friends, those who work above us, those who work below us, and those who work alongside of us. And then last week was Consumer Week, which was fun. I wore a suit, uh, so I'm glad to be not in the suit this week. Um, somebody was like, where's your suit? And I'm like, it's going to be in the closet till somebody dies or gets married. And so that's, what, that's my suit. Uh, this week, we are talking about God's word. We are going to scripture. And, and the code is God's word is our guide. God is alive and actively speaking through scripture and the Holy Spirit. I don't know how you feel about God's word. I don't know if you read the Bible much, if it's sort of that book that you leave in your car so that every Sunday you've got it to bring with you. Um, I don't know if you even have a book anymore. You know, I mean, paper's going away. We've all got our phones and, you know, our iPads. And so we download the Bible. And, and so I don't even know if you have a, a paper Bible or not, uh, which they do exist. They're in the seat in front of you. You can, you can have one if you need one. But even the paper Bible's going away. But where does the Bible sit? In your life? Is it, is it valuable to you? Is it important to you? 
Is it something that sits in your car or sits on the shelf and just collects dust throughout the week? Is it something that you wake up every day just thirsting for, wanting to read it? Like it's the fuel for your day. It is the way that you run your life is through Scripture. Um, so I went to a conference last year. It was uh, like a three-day conference in Tulsa, which is a beautiful place to go. Anybody been to Tulsa? Uh, yeah, it's a little piece of heaven, especially in March. There's, it's, it's bad in Tulsa in March. So went to Tulsa and went to this conference and I was flying out. I had the 7.30 a.m. flight and I knew I had to get there early. And so I woke up 5 a.m. and I got my coffee ready. I got in the rental car and I knew that when I got to that hotel, it had taken half an hour from the airport to the hotel. And so I knew I needed half an hour to get there for the two hour, uh, two hours early. And so I left and I'm in the car and I, I'm a daydreamer. Does anybody else daydream when you drive? I just sort of like zone out and I just, I got my iPhone out and I just airport. I got the little dot and I got the line and, you know, Siri's talking to me and she's telling me left and right and stuff. And so I put that up on the dashboard and I'm just cruising. It's a beautiful morning. There's nobody on the road and I'm just kind of soaking up all the information that I've learned this week. And it's, it goes on half an hour driving along 45 minutes. I'm still driving. An hour later, I'm still driving to this little dot on my phone and I start thinking, huh, there's something wrong, you know? And so I start looking at the phone and I'm like, man, I'm almost there. I'm almost to the dot. And then I take the exit and then I turn left and then I turn right and then I turn left and I'm on these backcountry roads. And and all of a sudden I pop out of the trees to an airport. I got to an airport, but it was not Tulsa International Airport. There's like a little, you know, twin turbo prop out on the, you know, out on the the, the flight line guys banging on it with a hammer, a dude in a pickup truck over. I am on like I'm at Tulsa Airport, but it's a little airstrip and I get looking and I'm freaking out now. Anybody else freak out? You know, it's like I'm going to be late for this flight. There's anxiety that builds up and and so I'm looking and I have gone one hour in the wrong direction, the absolute opposite direction of Tulsa International Airport. And so I flip the car around and I throw it in gear and I'm just, man, I, I said some unsanctified things on that drive towards the airport. And it was it was it was bad. I, I was just I was running stoplights. I, I have never driven so horribly in my life just to get there on time. So I so I, I type in budget rental rental car. Okay, budget rental car. Here's the dot. It's by the airport. I'm going to budget rental car. Going to budget rental car. And I get to the dot, and I'm at the end of the runway. There are 747s taking off over the top of me. I've got a fence on the other side of me. I'm like, I'm at the dot. I'm where I wanted to go. And I'm freaking out. And so I flip back around, go back to the entrance of the airport, and I see the sign, rental car, drop off. And I pull in there, drop off the car, and I get inside with like, five minutes to spare. And I run up to the counter. I'm like, did I make it? She says, yes, you made it. You know, and I said, hey, just so you know, the budget dot, the budget dots, not not right. And she said, yeah, a lot of people say that. I I don't know what happened. Something with Google. They put the dot in the wrong place. And so this was a bad morning. This was a really bad morning. It messed up my whole day. I was flipping out. But I the thing is, the thing about this story is I got exactly where I was supposed to go. And in this life, you will always go exactly where you're headed, which you're like, that sounds like the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. You will, out, you will always go exactly where you're headed. And there is, there is so much truth in that, and it's kind of scary. 
But I had the dot. I had my phone up. I was going to exactly where I wanted to go. And I got there and I thought, this is not where I want to be. Anybody ever been there in life? Have you ever gotten to where you were going and thought, this is not where I intended to be? How did I get here? What was I thinking? And, and this is what we're talking about today is God's word is our, is our guide. We are far too often guided by other things. We're guided by our pleasures, by our own personal desires. Maybe we're just guided by just walking through life without thinking much about it. Maybe you're just sort of daydreaming your way through life. You're driving along. I'm, I'm going to get somewhere. I'm not, sure, I'm not sure where. I'm not sure it's going to be where I want to be. But I'm going somewhere and that's good enough for me, you know. And then you get there and you think, what was I thinking? I do this with my kids. I, I drop the girls off at school in the morning. And far too often, I, th- I get them in the back seat, buckled up. I get in the car and I start, I start thinking about my day. I start planning for what's coming in the day. And then I get to the church and I turn the car off and I turn around and there's two little girls in the back seat. And they're like, Daddy, are we going to school today? And so then I jump back in the car and I drive back to drop them off at school. And I do this. I just, I'm just daydreaming my way through the day. And I feel like this is our lives. And it, it ends up that we end up, we end up in these situations that we wish we weren't in. We end up frustrated with where we're at, but really we just went exactly where we were going. And this is why we need God's word. This is why we need to trust in something that's greater than our own circumstances to guide us, which is really the core of what this series is all about, is how do we guide ourselves based on something that is immovable, unchanging, something stable in an ever-changing culture, this passage in 2 Timothy 4 is where we're going to spend a couple minutes here. And this, I feel like, speaks to this very well in this ever-changing culture. 2 Timothy 4.3, if you want to open your Bibles um, or you can read it with me on the screen, it says this, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. The time will come. The time someday is going to come when people will not endure sound doctrine, when they will just look for others to, to make them happy, to tickle their ears. And the term tickle in this situation is kind of a weird usage of the word, but it's, it's to just fulfill the desires of of your heart or of your ears, you know, to, to pleasure your ears. We can always find somebody to say things that make us go, you are right on, you know. You can always find somebody to tell you, you're doing good, great job, you're awesome, you're the best in the world, you know. Don't we love those people? I love those people. You should be that person for me. Just tell me that I'm awesome. That's all I want, you know. And then I think, man, is there more to this life I don't, I don't want to tickle your ears when your soul is gasping for air as a pastor. My heart is to just come to you with God's word and to let it work. And if, if hearing the truth, the convicting truth tickles your ears and you go, how oh, that hurts, but it hurts so good, praise God. Uh, but I know that sometimes the truth hurts and you might walk out of here and go, man, I don't, I don't know if I like that. I don't know if I wanted that truth. Maybe I should have stayed in bed on Sunday morning. Uh, 1 John 2:16 says for all that is in this world the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life is not from the father but is from the world 
in the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. Again, it comes back to what are you putting your faith in? Where are you going? How are you, how are you driving this life? What are you using as your moral compass for life? Or what is your end game? At the end of your life, how do you decide if you're going to lay on your deathbed and say that was a life well lived or say that was a life wasted? And what will you use to determine that? And this is why as believers in Jesus, we go to God's word and we let God's word tell us um, what will be a life well lived. And, and, and this is Paul charging this young pastor, Timothy. He's saying, Timothy, stick with scripture. Use God's word. People need it. It speaks on its own. And he talks about the weight of teaching. And he's like, listen, just tell them what God says, not just what they want to hear, but what they need to hear. And I think about this every week as I come before you and I'm preparing God's word. Uh, I spend Mondays typically at a coffee shop, just getting things together for uh, for the weekend. And I just I feel this weight every Monday. Just just take them to God's word. It will speak. It will change hearts. It will work because the Holy Spirit is working through it. So here's my question. Have you seen the people around you wander off? It says they will wander off into myths. Have have you wandered off into myths? Do you even know if you've wandered off into myths? How do you decide that? Are you ever shocked by what's okay in the world around you? Do you ever look at at your society and go, how did we get okay with this? Why why are we fine with, with this, you know? Do you ever wonder if there really is a right or wrong or if it's just literally driven by what the society says is okay? Is it just what is culturally acceptable is what's right or what's wrong? You know, even in the church, the church is sometimes thirsty for a new interpretation of God's word, which let me tell you, uh, be suspicious. If anybody ever says I've got a new interpretation of God's word, I'm just throwing out 2000 years of church history. I've got I figured it out. I nailed it. It's awesome. So just. Not, hey, I'm a millennial. I get new stuff. I like new things. I like learning new things and growing and new information. But just be suspicious when there's a new interpretation of God's word that's that's coming out. I don't know how much you know about erosion, but the erosion process is really interesting as you study it. As you look at these mountain formations and you look at these deep valleys that were created over thousands and thousands of years. And it's just it's amazing to me. How just over time, with a little water and a little sand, we can make the Grand Canyon, you know? Just over time, a little water and a little sand. We can, we can, what starts off as a little crack turns into a crevice, turns into like a big crater, and then it becomes this canyon in our lives. And, and this is how it works with, with the truth, how it works with morals and, and what's right and wrong is over time, I think our hearts become calloused. What's right and wrong becomes eroded. The truth is eroded away in our hearts and we no longer have the ability to look at the world with perspective and to determine what's good, what's bad, what's right, what's wrong. We're just tossed by the waves, tossed by everyone else. And so we see this. Do you guys see this around you? You see things moving a direction, you know. So, so I'm just going to talk about it. The big release of the Fifty Shades of Grey movie, right? That's it. I'm not going to spend too much time on it, but it's, that's the big deal. It's everywhere this week. You know, we watch Jimmy Fallon. It's been all over Jimmy Fallon every night. You know, it's in the papers. It's in magazines. It's all over the place. And Christian women are losing their minds over this movie. Like, just going nuts. Like, ladies night! We're going to get together and we're all going to go and we're going to watch Fifty Shades of Grey. It's going to be awesome. 
there's a lot of things there's a lot of things wrong with that but uh, <laughs> there's a few i'm like is this weird for anyone else? I'm hearing about couples planning like Valentine's Day week, weekend. We're going we're gonna to go out together and this is going to be how we're going to spice up our marriage. Which I'm like, it's just weird. You know, the movie boasts 20 minutes of sex. Uh, it boasts. This is a big deal. And this is a new, th- I mean, this is pushing things to a new, a new level in our culture, you know. And I just can't imagine being in a theater and it's like you sit down in a public movie theater and this, you're watching this. And you look down the row and it's like, oh, look, there's my daughter's soccer coach. Hey, you know, I mean, is that weird for anybody else? Hey, grandma down the I I don't know who you're going to see there. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. It's weird. But does it surprise you? As the church, if you are a Christian, does it surprise you? Are you are you surprised by this? I'm not that surprised. You know, I don't think it's good. Don't go to the movie. I don't think it's worth going to. I think it's a waste of your money. Buy your wife some flowers. Don't take her to the movie. Um, But on a deeper level, it makes sense, doesn't it? It makes sense that if there is no moral compass, if there is no right or wrong, if we're just going by the waves of what feels good today, then that's what's going to happen. And we do ministry today in an X-rated culture. And it's hidden. And it's behind closed doors. But it's becoming less hidden. And the thing is, the reason why God's word is so applicable is they did ministry in an X-rated culture too. And we forget that sometimes. We feel like, oh, it was much simpler, cleaner times. No, it wasn't. It was dirty, you know. Just read this book a little bit and you realize there's some nasty stuff going on, you know. But we're becoming more okay with it and things are... Things are just moving along. It says they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. And I believe today the biggest teacher is just cultural acceptance. What the people around me are okay with is what must be okay. And maybe you're like, I don't know, Brian. That sounds a little bit like that. You know, well, if everybody jumps off a cliff, would you do it too? Uh, But I don't know that we've grown out of that. Even as adults, I think that we look around, we go, well, it seems like everybody's okay with this. So maybe we should be as well. And what happens is it numbs your thirst for the truth. You wonder why you don't thirst after God's word. You wonder why you don't want to open it up because I'm not sure you want to hear what it has to say. And I'm not sure even the words matter. And that's that's the thing. God's word takes on a new life when the words change us, when we allow them to get into our souls. So if you think this Bible, this, this sermon is all about just trying to get you to read your Bible more, I do want you to read your Bible more. But on a deeper level, in the end, Christians don't have a Bible problem. They have a Jesus problem. I think your Bible problem is a Jesus problem. I think the deeper issue here is not the Bible, although the Bible is important. And I think the church has become more and more illiterate to the word. And we need to learn to read it well and to read it right and to study it. But on a deeper level, it's like, why don't you want to read it? Because I can say read it more. You can know I should read this more. But if you don't, why is it? I think God's word, again, it, it loses its relevance when it's not applied. I think if, if you don't walk out of here from the church applying what was said here, I think over time you're just going to stop coming back. You know, I think over time you're going to you're going to be like, well, why do I even go to church? I'm not sure I see the value in it. And, and that's when you want to come to church over and over again. It's normally because God is doing something within you and God wants to do something within you. The only thing stopping that is, is you. 
He wants to speak to you through his word and church and the gathering of the saints in God's word all gains this new relevance in our lives when it changes us, when we allow it to change us. You might think, well, is it reliable? Is God's word reliable? And we've spent a lot of time talking about that before, the manuscript evidence. We've talked about the canonization process, about exegesis and hermeneutics and all of how to read the Bible well, which would you put up that last slide real quick? Uh, there's there's a book I just want to it's the very last slide in the whole thing um, Yeah, it's a book called uh, how to read the Bible for all it's worth if you guys want to learn how to read the Bible better Which I think you should reading this book man scripture comes alive when you know how to read it well, too and so uh, Download that on your kindle go buy it great book great resource To read it well, but again, it's just a book this book right here paper and cardboard that's all it is paper and cardboard and a lot of people have died because of this book you know a lot of wars have been fought because of this book people have given their lives for this book but i'll tell you what it's just a book the book itself will never save you and i think we have to understand how to put this in its right place as well maybe you're a studier of the word and you know all about it and you've read it front to back so many times but john 5:39 says this you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life and it is they that bear witness to me jesus says yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life Again, you search the scriptures because in them you think you have eternal life. And in this book is not eternal life. In the words, in the words, the words talk about Jesus. And he is where we find eternal life. He is where we develop a thirst for more of the word. Christians don't have a Bible problem. They have a Jesus problem. We have a Jesus issue. If this is his love story to humanity, then we're going to read it. Just like if you had old love letters from your wife and you just have this deep love for your wife you're going to read those now and then and when you read them they're going to just stir up affection in your heart for your wife that's how god's word is supposed to work and when you love jesus what happens is you read his love story to you you apply his words you let it sink into your soul you grow in the belief that his words through scripture are true it's this like big cycle that happens You start to love Jesus, you open his word, you apply his words, it changes your life. Because of the change in your life, you want to read more of his words, you develop more of a love for Jesus. It's this beautiful cycle that begins to happen, but it all all starts with a love for Jesus and a realization of what he saved us from. So I know this, one thing's for sure, I can't give you a Bible reading plan and send you out of here motivated to just go read your Bible every day this week. I know that. I know that. That's just not going to happen. I mean, you can, you can get a thousand Bible reading plans online here in ten seconds. What you need is a love for Jesus. And I would encourage you to diagnose that. To just spend some time in prayer this week and just considering, I don't thirst for the word. Why don't I want to read his love story to me? Again, if you don't read it through the lens of Jesus, you get all sideways in understanding the Bible. It's all got to come back to Jesus It's a Jesus problem. Or maybe what you're doing is you're complaining that God is silent in your life. You're saying God doesn't speak to me. I need him to speak. I have some big decisions to make. I don't know what to do. I want want to hear from God. Why doesn't God speak to me? I read this quote this week. 
I thought it was interesting. Say, complaining about a silent God when your Bible is closed is like complaining about not getting texts when your phone is off. Oh, that's pretty good. You want God to speak? He speaks through his word. The Holy Spirit speaks through his word. God's word is our guide. God is alive and actively speaking through scripture as well as the Holy Spirit. So we as a church believe that that scripture comes alive through the Holy Spirit. This is the third person of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit, a man who loves you and wants to communicate with you. And so... Scripture comes alive when the Holy Spirit speaks to us. So we just prayed upstairs, me and a couple of our elders, uh, for you and for this morning. And we've been doing this every week. And it's just a way of saying we believe that God's word comes alive when the Holy Spirit speaks. And we believe that without the Holy Spirit speaking to your hearts, that I'm just a clanging gong and a cymbal up here. I'm just wasting my time. I'm just banging away like read the Bible, you know. But I believe that if you have something in your heart that's going on right now, as I read those scriptures about the erosion of our morals and of of good and right and wrong, if if there's something in your heart that's happening, it's because of the Spirit's work within you. And I even believe if you're not a Christian today, if you're like, listen, I don't put myself in the Christian camp. What does that mean for me? I still believe the Holy Spirit's speaking to you. Even though he may not reside within your heart, I believe he's drawing you to himself and that he wants to speak to you. And if you're convicted today, if you feel the sense, man, there's something here. There's something that I need here. I, I want this. Just know that's not between me and you. That's between you and God. That's, that's him speaking to your heart. And I'd encourage you to, to look into that and to struggle with that. So the Holy Spirit is speaking to us. Today And so as we as we talk about developing a love for God's word and a love for for Jesus, I think there are people in our church that that have developed this in a lot of really amazing ways. God has grown up amazing people in our church who just have a love for the word. Some of you, God's word just sort of oozes from your pores. You know, have you met people like that? As Christians who it just comes out of their language, it comes out of their lifestyle, it comes out of the way they live. And so I wanted to invite up someone to share this morning just about her experiences with God's word, how it's spoken to her. And so would you guys welcome up Miss Angela Randall? Give her a hand. Thanks, Brian. Thanks, Angela. I'm old school. I don't have an iPad. So, yes, my name is Angela, and I serve on the governing board here. And I'm very thankful for the opportunity to share with you today a little bit about um, who I am and a lot about how I use God's word as my guide. Um, I was blessed to be raised by a mom and dad who love God. We attended a Lutheran service when I was a kid, and I really just feel like I grew up with Jesus. Uh, Ever since I can remember, I've always known and believed in a triune God who loved me, who was with me whether I felt like he was or not. I was baptized as an infant, and I was led by the Holy Spirit to be confirmed in my faith when I was in the fifth grade. But with all that being said, what I want you to hear is that I still fall short. I struggle with pride. I struggle with self-pity and impatience. And I don't have it all figured out. But what I know above all 
is that Jesus died on the cross for all of my junk. And that is what allows me to live a joyful life one day at a time and one moment at a time. First Corinthians 118 says that for people who are stumbling toward ruin, the message of the cross is nothing but a tall tale for fools by a fool. But for those of us who are already experiencing the reality of being rescued and made right, it is nothing short of God's power. When I let my eyes fix on what the world says and does, it's easy for me to lose perspective. I heard someone say once that no one talks to me more than I do. And I found that there's truth in that because I talk to myself all of the time. But God in his grace has given me his words to say to myself and to others when the world can get too loud. Um, And so where I run every day is to the Bible and let the Holy Spirit reveal his truth that I am precious and honored in his sight. That he calls me by name. That he loves me with an everlasting love. And that when I call these things to mind, I can have hope. Because his mercy is new every single day. I read a quote by a man named Paul David Tripp who writes that the Bible may have nothing whatsoever to say about a specific topic. Well, at the same time, can tell you everything you need to know about that same specific topic. So what are some of the issues that we struggle with today? Marriage, job, friends, our schoolwork. He writes that the Bible is a narrative and it tells us everything we need to know about our situation. The Bible is the great story of redemption that encompasses the stories of every human life. It is comprehensive in scope without being exhaustive in content. It gives us wisdom for everything without directly discussing every particular thing and that to me is incredible and that is why i have a habit of going to god's word not because i have to but because i want to not out of duty but out of love listen to the words of titus 3 5 it says he came to save us it's not that we earned it by doing good works or righteous deeds He came because he is merciful. Jesus did all of the work necessary. And even this word habit, a lot of times it gets a negative connotation. But when I looked it up in the dictionary, it is simply defined as a matter of course. So I see this habit that I have of running to God's word as a beaten down path. Again, not because I have to. Jesus already did all the actions necessary. He shed his blood on the cross for my guilt and for my shame. I'm not being forced to go that way. I go that way because I want to. I long for a life that just overflows with love and with mercy. It it may be hard to build at first. It's something that takes time to wear down. But with discipline comes reward. Listen to Philippians 3, starting at verse 7. We heard a little bit of this last week, too. But whatever I used to count as my greatest accomplishments, I have written them off as a loss 
because of the anointed one. And more so, I now realize that all that I gained and all that I thought was important was nothing but yesterday's garbage compared to knowing the anointed Jesus, my Lord. For him, I have thrown everything aside. It is nothing but a pile of waste so that I may gain him. When it counts, I want to be found belonging to him, not clinging to my own righteousness based on law, but actively relying on the faithfulness of the anointed one. This is true righteousness supplied by God, acquired by faith. I want to know him inside and out. That is our reward. It doesn't matter how we grew up. It doesn't matter how we were raised. It doesn't even matter what we're struggling with. What matters is that we know Christ and his love for us. Because when we do, then we can enjoy where he has us. I use God's word as my guide because it allows me to abide to thrive. I can abide in him so that I can thrive wherever he has me. I remember when I first learned that the liturgy that we would say each week in church, they were actually Bible verses. I thought that was pretty cool that I could learn his word by heart and then carry him with me all throughout the week. I could abide to thrive. But in order to do that, the first thing that I had to do was I had to learn his voice. And in John chapter 10, Jesus tells us that the sheep know the voice of the shepherd. And by knowing his voice, then they know who to follow. And if you think of the first story in the Bible, it was a voice. In the beginning, God said. And then in John, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Jesus is God's word and the Bible reveals Jesus to me, the savior of the world. The Bible is my guide because Jesus is my leader and I see it first of all as a map. And I love maps. I served in the army for eight years. And one of my favorite places to be was out on that land navigation course. Give me a map and a compass and some points. Man, I loved being out there. My husband Vern and I even loved it so much that on the weekends we would go orienteering. And orienteering is basically a civilian form of land navigation. And I loved following Vern because he is an expert at reading the map. He has an amazing sense of direction. He knows exactly which way to go. Um, it was it was incredible because I remember following him and never going to the left or to the right, but being led exactly to the point. And it's something like this. If you've ever lived in the South, you know something about the woods, maybe that few people here in Alaska know spider webs. And I'm not talking about these cute little fingernail-sized spiders that we have here. No, I'm, these guys are huge, okay? And the webs that they weave can be pretty incredible. But thankfully, I had no problem with them because I was not the leader. And I remember saying something to Vern once about what a beautiful day it is. And I love following you through the woods. And I'll never forget him turning around and saying, um, yeah, nice for you. Ugh, glad you're enjoying this. And he does not like spiders. 
So what a gentleman. And that to me is God's word as a map. When I follow his truth for me, think about Jesus who came in this world. I am in this world and I'm surrounded a lot of times by sticky and uncomfortable situations, probably more often than I realize sometimes. But when I stay fixed and following in what God's truth says for me, not only do I have a better attitude, but I also have peace in the midst of chaos because Jesus himself is peace. These stories and these promises that I read about, they may be thousands of years old, but the Holy Spirit is just as alive today, helping me to understand And here's the other thing about a map. Sometimes in these competitions, the points that we would walk to, they would be pretty far apart. I remember doing a 24-hour competition once with him, and it could be a good two to three hours of just walking in between points. Now, for someone like me who tends to get distracted, a little impatient, you know, I want what I want when I want it, I found what I had to do was I had to take a look on the map for myself. And once I could look and see, okay, before this next point, we're going to cross a creek, or maybe we're going to go over here, and then we're going to climb this ridge. And once I could take a look for myself, I had something to fix and focus my mind on so that I was more joyful when I walked. And again, that to me is God's word as a map. Read it for yourself. Become familiar with his voice so that you know who to follow. Following means moving behind and in the same direction. You can't follow something and go your own way because that's not following. I can tell you stories. I can share with you how I use God's word. And there's nothing wrong with that. I like listening to you and I want to hear your stories. And what that does is that builds faith and that encourages each other. But don't just take my word for it. Take God's word. Hebrews 4.12 in the message translation says that God means what he says and what he says goes. His powerful word is sharp as a surgeon's scalpel cutting through everything, whether doubt or defense, laying us open to listen and obey I was a biology major in college, and so when I hear that word scalpel, it reminds me of an autopsy that I got to witness. It was difficult, but beautiful. Now, don't worry. Stay with me here. It was difficult because when you dig around in the tissue and the muscle, it can get pretty messy. But it was also very beautiful to see the intricate way of how God put us together. It was fascinating. Another translation of Hebrews 4.12 says that God's word is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. When I read God's word, sometimes I am drawn to my knees because I see how wretched and disgusting I truly am. My pride can be thick in places. And I need God's word as that two-edged sword to cut through my stubbornness. Because when I'm proud, I'm deaf. But when I'm humble, I can hear. But I don't like it. I don't like being exposed like that. It doesn't feel very good. A lot of times I just want to stop reading. Maybe it's because I don't understand or because I just rather go and do something else. But thankfully, as a sword, God's word is also a weapon of truth. And of beauty 
And that's when the Holy Spirit just comforts me. And he reminds me, continuing to read in Hebrews, it says, Since then, we have this great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus The Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. So let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. Draw near to the truth of his grace and of his mercy. He knows exactly how I feel, not because he sinned, but because he became flesh fully God and fully man. And he promises that no matter where my steps take me, that he is always with me. These five words are hope, not in a circumstance or a situation, not a job or a decision, but hope is the person of Jesus Christ. And that's why another way that I see God's word is like a mirror. James 1 says, put the word into action. If you think hearing is what matters most, you're going to find you have been deceived. If some fail to do what God requires, it's as if they forget the word as soon as they hear it. One minute they look in the mirror and the next they forget who they are and what they look like. However, it is possible to open your eyes and take in the beautiful, perfect truth found in God's law of liberty and live by it. If you pursue that path and actually do what God has commanded, then you will avoid the many distractions that lead to an amnesia of all true things, and you will be blessed. When I spend time looking into the mirror of what God says about me, then I will reflect who he is. That's what a mirror does. It is capable of reflecting light. And God's word is the light to my feet and the lamp to my path. I need time to sit in front of the mirror because there are things that I can only learn when I'm being quiet and when I'm being still. We're taking our puppy to obedience training right now, and we're given homework throughout the week of things that we need to practice with her in the quiet and distraction-free zone that is our house. And we do that first so that when we do go to class and there are seven other dogs that are vying for her attention and trying to steal her away, that she has the foundation of what was learned first in the quiet. I need time to sit and to be still, but... I can't just stay there because if I do, I'm going to lose perspective. It is one thing for me to sit at my kitchen table and to read about loving others. But James said to put the word into action and look at what Jesus did. He withdrew many times first to go and be alone with his father, to be quiet and to pray. But then he went, he healed, he taught, and he served. Jesus says that he is the light of the world and those who walk with him will thrive in his nourishing light. I abide so that I can thrive. Second Corinthians four, for what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. 
For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. I am broken. I fail and I fall short. But God is there to redeem and to restore. I abide because when I read his word, I will reflect who he is. When I hang out in his truth, then I'm more likely to go and show the fruit of the spirit. And when I linger in his arms, the distractions fade. And what I see and remember is what he says. I have always loved running from a very early age. My dad was my coach. My mom was my cheerleader and my brother, my competition. And I will remember uh, training for my first marathon and running in the early morning and coming up over a hill and having the sun shine right on my face and in my eyes. It was so bright that I couldn't see the road. I couldn't see trees or the sky, nothing. And I was reminded of the song, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Having the sun directly on my face with its warmth and its comfort and its power, it drowned everything else out. Hebrews 12, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so close and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us looking to Jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith who for the joy set before him endured the cross despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God that picture of Jesus coming to earth to walk the steps as a man Living a life of suffering and shame. He knows what I go through day to day to day. But it is finished. His saving work is done. He is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. He is reigning as king and he is actively involved in our redemption and in our victory. Jesus says that blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. He doesn't say that blessed are the righteous. I mess up. I don't do what I should, but do I hunger and thirst for righteousness? Do I long for a day when I'm not mean, when I'm not selfish, when I'm not impatient? Absolutely. But he says when that I hunger and thirst for that, I can be satisfied. I can be satisfied abiding in his word by letting his truth through the power of the Holy Spirit sink deep in my soul. Hide his word as a map, as a mirror, as a sword, as a light. So that when I do mess up, when I do need encouragement, when, when I do just need to focus on what is true, I can let his spirit use his voice. To remind me of who he is. Because that is thriving. Thank you for letting me share. Man, thanks Angela. So proud of her. Isn't that awesome? Uh, just developing a passion for the word. I just, 
Did it stir something up in you? Just hearing a lot of God's word. Does it speak to you? Does it develop a, a thirst and a, a passion for it? I hope it does as a, as a Christian. If you call yourself a believer in Jesus, I hope today stirs a desire to go back to Scripture in you. To set time aside during your day and, and to make time to start your day by, by setting a time aside to get to know Jesus a little better. To, to reminding yourself of who you are in light of His grace. And so I hope that it develops a passion for you and not just not just an idea in this room that I wish. Yeah, Brian, I wish I could do that. But something that actually turns into action that is applied tomorrow in your day. You will be tested. Your kids will be screaming. Your life will get crazy. Um, Everything will get busy. There will be so much that comes against uh, your discipline to just be in the word. And I just pray for you as a church that you would develop this passion. I think we will be changed by a love for scripture. Um, and if you are not a believer today, if you say, I don't know, Brian, I, I haven't committed to follow Christ, but I sense there's something real. I get this feeling in my heart that my way isn't the best way and that I don't want to be tossed by the waves of our culture or by what's considered to be right and wrong by our society. I need the truth. I want to tell you that the truth is found in Jesus and he is spoken about within this word, but it begins not with just a love for a book, but a love for Christ himself, a realization that that you are a sinner, that we are all broken sinners and we can't fix ourselves. We can't make ourselves right. We can't do enough good. We can't memorize enough scriptures to get him to love us anymore. And so Jesus comes as a sacrifice for our sins. And today, if you want to make that exchange, exchanging your sinfulness for his righteousness, you can do that. You can walk into this covenant relationship, this marriage-like relationship with Jesus. And you can walk in his truth today. And so, would you just bow your heads with me and let's just pray for that together. If this is you, would you pray with me? Jesus, I need your grace. Father, I know that my way does not get me to where I want to go. Many times I end up in these places and I think, how did I get here? What was I thinking? Father, I need your truth to guide me. God, I need your grace as I slip up, as I take the wrong route sometimes. And God, I need your joy to walk through life, even though I make mistakes, to experience hope and peace in this world. So, Father, I want to walk into a relationship with you. I commit my life to you. And I trust that you'll give me the grace to walk every step. And Father, for us as the church, we want to move forward today with a love for for Jesus that results in a love for his word. God, would you give us space? God, would you give us discipline to make space? To be people who run to scripture for the truth, not to run to the media or run to what the people around us are doing, Father. But that we would be guided by the one truth. That is found throughout God's word. God, thanks for your grace on us. God, we're just going to respond and we're going to worship you. Father, give us an ability just to free our hearts up to be able to give you praise in the next few moments. God, give us voices that are opened up and lungs that are just grateful to have another day with breath in them. God, that we might sing to you and show you our love through our song and as we leave this place through our lives. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.